Hi there, I'm Nicole Gilbert, and you've joined the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Are you new to sewing and want to start quilting but have no idea where to begin? Each Wednesday, join me as I share the ins and outs of that quilt life. If you don't have a sewing machine, have no idea how much fabric you need, or you're just trying to figure out where the heck to stick that bobbin, this is the podcast for you. Hey folks, welcome to episode 56 of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gilbert, and I am beyond excited that you're here with me today. Because today, we're chatting about sewing machines. Namely, sewing machine troubleshooting. So, I started this new segment uh, all about listener questions. So, I'm taking listener questions, and I'm answering them on the podcast. And the one that jumped out at me uh, to feature this week was so good, and I knew I was going to get going on it. I mean, if you listened to last week's podcast, I definitely really answered that question. I was like, you know what? This question's too good. I'm probably going to need a whole podcast episode for it. So I did. So today's entire podcast episode is dedicated to my listener question that was submitted by Allison R. So Allison writes, I've been having a ton of issues with my sewing machine lately, and I'm not really sure what to do. I have thread breaks, irregular tension, and nests of thread in my bobbin case and on the back of my projects. Help. Okay, this is such a good question, and there's so many different answers, and yet all the answers kind of start to come back to the same thing, which I thought was really great with this. Um, I think we're really going to help a lot of you out there, and many of you who are having issues, these types of issues with your sewing machine, may be able to go ahead and sew to your heart's content by the end of the afternoon uh, because some of the stuff is really easy stuff that you should be doing at home. Okay, so she says, thread breaks, irregular tension, and nests of thread in my bobbin case and on the back of my projects. Help. Okay, so there are a few different things that can be going on. So she hasn't told me what um, type of sewing machine she's using. So I'm going to give answers for kind of all of the types of sewing machines, and then you can kind of take the the bits of information that pertain to you and your machine. So first, I want to go with the thread breaks. Now, there are two different things that can be happening. Sometimes if, especially for those of you who, you know, will sew for a weekend and then not come back to your machine until the next project or the next month or or what have you, you're not sewing every day. Um, Sometimes we switch our thread brand and we don't even really think about it. Um, I've gotten to be pretty brand loyal um, and even still, I, I switch between three different brands. I personally sew with Guterman, Aurifil, and Mettler. Uh, those are the three brands that I, I switch between. Um, I think that they're probably the, the better quality brands on the market right now. However, uh, before I got to a point where I, you know, was collecting 
a bazillion spools of pearl gray thread at a time and getting all the same brand, I would go to stock up on fabric for whatever project I was making, go to the thread stand and get whatever thread matched my project. Makes total sense, right? But that meant that I had off-brand, I had Coates and Clark, I had Guterman, I had all sorts of different threads. Also, not going to lie, every once in a while I'd be like, well, this thread is exactly the same as this thread, but it's $3 cheaper. Let me get that because I feel guilty because I just bought $100 worth of fabric, which is asinine when you really think about it. I just spent $100 worth of fabric, but I want to save 3 bucks on the thread. Whatever. But uh, I would do it. And what ends up happening is oftentimes it's our choice of thread, which is making the thread breaks. Either it's old thread, meaning you've had it in your stash for a very long time and it sits out. So I have my thread in two places. I have a rack that hangs on the pegboard right by my machine. And those threads get used quickly. Uh, I mean, like, they won't sit out for longer than a few months on there because it's mostly pearl gray and top stitch colors for, like, my biani bags that I make, uh, and I go through them. Uh, so there, it's okay to sit out. However, the thread that I don't use often that I'm going to come back to over time, I actually have that stored in a, in a closet in the dark because I don't want it to get sun bleached. I don't want it to get dried out. I don't want anything to happen. Old thread goes bad. So when we're buying off of the sale rack, 90% of the time they're on the sale rack because they're old. Uh, and so we wanna take take that into consideration. Anytime you look at your thread spool, if there's a ton of like lint or fuzzies or something, like if you hold it sideways and you look at it in the light, if you see like peach fuzz on your thread, it's it's starting to go bad. And some brands you'll see are like that the moment you take them off the rack. Don't do it. They're weaker and they're more tend to break. So that's that's number one with our threads. We want to make sure that they're not old. And also, there are brands of threads that are uh, more prone to not be machined in a way to make them last. Um, it's like anything else. Sometimes you do get what you pay for, and it's not saying that those threads are bad. However, you also have to understand that everything has a shelf life, and shelf lives of more inexpensive threads are going to be shorter than shelf lives of more expensive thread. So you have to weigh the good with the bad there. Um, So that's just make an educated decision for yourself in that case. However, um, I do want you to keep in mind that that is a possibility that could be happening with your breaks. Now, that is not the only reason why your thread could be breaking. And it ties into what she then said. She's experiencing irregular tension. So, irregular tension. Now, this is very interesting because this will depend on the type of machine you have. Now, I have uh, my, my what I call my daily driver uh, is a machine that has uh, automatic tension. The machine does it for me. Um, Can I adjust my tension? 
I think so. I wouldn't even know how to begin to do it because it's like this huge digital mechanical beast. So I really, I genuinely don't know. Uh, Because when I thread my machine, it automatically sets the tension. And I have to say, I've had this particular machine for over a year now, and I have never had a tension issue ever. Whether I'm quilting, piecing, um, you know, binding a heavy by any bag, you name it, I haven't had an issue with it. However, I used to have a machine that was, um, and I and I have another one because I just recently got a, a new travel machine. Actually, now that I think about it, uh, it was kind of like a. It was like an upper-level big box store. So, like, very similar to the types of brothers that you would get at a big box store, but uh, a slightly more expensive model. Like, you couldn't buy it off of the shelf, but, you know, it's in that same realm kind of a deal. And I would have to set the tension myself. So there was a disc, a, a like, knob right around where the uptake lever is. Um, And then there was also a screw in the bobbin case area. And so the screw adjusted my bobbin tension and the uh, knob adjusted my upper tension. Now, I don't suggest adjusting your bobbin tension unless it's like worst case scenario. You have tried every single other thing on this list that I'm going to give you for troubleshooting. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, because you can basically adjust your bobbin tension by adjusting your upper tension. Um, so to, to fiddle with both is kind of, woo, kind of something I wouldn't suggest doing personally, uh, but to each his own. Now, tension, there's in between, so you're going to have your, your spool of thread. You're going to go through the eyelets at the top of your machine You're then going to go down the front of the machine, up the front of the machine, through the uptake lever, back down, uh, and then you're going to kind of go through the guides into your needle. In that space between the down, the uptake lever, and the down, there's your tension discs, your upper, upper tension discs. So sometimes it can get really tight in there. And as you're cruising along sewing, all of a sudden your thread will break. And it's because it's getting pulled. Your fabric and your needle needs more thread, but those tension discs are super tight and you're getting a snap. Because it's like, I, it's like uh, you know, you're playing tug of war, you're playing tug of war, and then finally the thing lets go and you go flying. That's kind of what's happening there, except it's breaking. Um, so... The first step is not to adjust your upper tension. I know that that's what you think I'm going to say. It's not. The first step is actually to um, re-thread your machine. I know. So here's why. Some of you are going to have machines like mine where you don't do any of the tensioning yourself. And sometimes what's actually happening isn't that your tension is wrong, but it's that your thread has slipped one of the eyelets or hooks or guides along the path. And that's whether or not you have an automatic tension or uh, one that you have to set yourself. That happens. And when it happens, even if it's like super simple when you're like, oh my gosh, it's just like a quarter of an inch to the right. Like there's like this little hump 
on my machine that every once in a while, depending on how I clip my thread, it'll slide the thread to the left of the hump instead of gliding over the hump. That will jack up all my tension, guys. Like, And I will lose my mind being like, what's wrong with it? And then I look and I'm like, oh, I did that. I bumped that and now look what happened. Uh, so sometimes very little. All you have to do is clip your thread, re-thread it. Now remember, when we are re-threading our machines, Always clip the thread at the top of the machine and pull that remnant out by the needle. Like pull it down, not up, because we always want to make sure our thread is running in that same direction through our tension discs. This is what keeps them healthy. So we'll want to do that first and foremost. That's how we remove our, our thread from our discs. But anyway, so once the thread is removed, we re-thread the machine. A lot of the time, and I know it sounds silly, but a lot of the time, that is all you need. Legit. A lot of times, that's all you need. So, try re-threading it first. Now, if re-threading it isn't working, now I want you to adjust the tension. But don't just start willy-nilly adjusting the tension. We have to know what is the problem there with these with these tension issues, okay? So what we want to do first is we want to take a little piece of scrap. I usually use one of my leaders or enders and sew a straight line and see what's going on with our tension since you said you are having tension issues. Um, now, is it too tight? Is it too loose? And then adjust accordingly and do it in small increments. So do an incremental change. Draw, draw straight stitch. See what happened with it and then adjust accordingly. And keep doing that in small increments. Doing like jumping like a full number, like jumping for three to five or three to four isn't going to help you. It'll be like, oh my gosh, it got worse. Did it get worse because you overshot? Or did it get worse because that's you went in the wrong direction? You don't know. So you got to go in smaller increments there but we'll adjust our tension. And again, I want attention adjusting to be the last thing that you choose. I just happen to be on this topic right now, but I do think that it's like the last thing that you choose. So we've rethreaded our machine. We've attempted adjusting our tension. What else can we do when we're having these types of issues? Change your needle. I know. Some of you will notice that an interesting thunk thunk sound happens. Uh, and then you have some skip stitches. Sometimes when we have skip stitches, we're like, oh my gosh, my tension's off. No, you have skip stitches. You don't have a tension issue. You have a skip stitch issue. We need to make sure that we are being precise and really understanding what the different things are with our machines before we're out there like saying, oh, I've got this issue. I've got that issue. This is happening. That's happening. Well, sometimes that is what's happening, but a lot of times... That's not what's happening. So make sure that we understand the difference between a tension issue and a skip stitch issue. So that thunk, thunk, thunk sound and a skip stitch can very likely mean you need to change your needle. How often should you change your needle? If you're getting skip stitches and a thunk, thunk, thunk sound, you have waited way too long. So here's my rule of thumb. Every two to three bobbins... Or at the beginning and end of, 
or rather at the you know beginning or end, depending on how you want to do that, of each project or both. I do both. So that means every time I start a new project and I'm setting up my machine and I'm putting in a new bobbin, I'm putting in a new needle. Then as I'm working on that project, every two bobbins, I change my needle. This will change also depending on what kind of sewing machine you have. Namely, if you have a Bernina. Because Berninas have the most amazing, delicious, gigantic bobbins I've ever seen in my life, uh, which is amazing. But it also means you probably should be changing your needle every time you change your bobbin. I know, it's a lot. However, let's do the math. And this kind of goes back to me saving those three bucks on the thread. You spend $100 or more on a project's fabric. And this isn't counting the batting, okay? Then you spend how many hours sewing? A lot. That's, that's where I'm going to leave that there. A lot. I can buy a package of 100 organ needles because that's what I like to use. I like to use organ needles um, for like less than 20 bucks. And it's like legitimately like a lot of needles, like a hundred needles. Why do I not want to pay that 20 bucks? You do. You absolutely do. One, it's going to last you a long time. Not as long as when you don't change your needle, but we all see how that turns out. Thunk, thunk and skip stitches. Let's not do it to ourselves, guys. Every time I go to the craft store, I mean, I do tend to buy them in bulk by a box now, but um, previously, when every time I would go to the fabric store, I would just buy a pack of needles every time. And so that became part of my uh, cost of doing business, if you will. Um, you know, it's like that's part of the cost of the fabric. I have to buy five needles. Do I go through all five? Probably not. Do I go through three, maybe four of them? Yeah, probably. But it's just worth it. So again, think about everything I've told you thus far. We've changed our needle. We've rethreaded our machine. And maybe we've adjusted the tension. But again, last case scenario. These are all things that you can do very quickly on your own. The last bit of troubleshooting I'm going to say that you could do at home that makes a big difference is cleaning your machine. Now, I do spot cleaning of my machine, of my machine daily. I do a deep cleaning of my machine every time I change my needle. So it becomes a routine. Bobbin, bobbin, needle, clean. Bobbin, bobbin, needle, clean. That's just, that's the, the rhythm I'm in, and that's what I do. Every time I change my needle, I clean my machine. And my spot cleaning, my daily spot cleaning, consists of wiping down my machine so that there's no lint on it. Um, I use pretty much 100% cotton all the time, so there's a lot of lint. It, it is what it is. Um, when you use polyester threads and whatnot, you'll get less lint. So that there is that. Uh, but I like 100% cotton, so I get lots of lint. Now, um, I wipe down my machine, just like microfiber cloth, no dampness or anything. I just dust it. 
I dust my thread stand because my machine has like a, a thread stand that kind of comes up. My flywheel, presser feet, like all the surfaces get wiped every day. Then every time I change my needle, I do all of that. Plus I take up my needle plate. I remove my bobbin case. I clean my bobbin case, and then I get all of the lint that I can see. Now, there, with most machines come these little white bristle brushes for cleaning, which are great. I also use uh, a fluffy eyelid uh, crease, you know, those like fluffy crease brushes. So they're really small brushes, but they're kind of fluffy. Um, I use one of those, obviously a clean one. Um, to clean all of my things. Uh, so I wipe everything out. The lint like naturally sticks to the bristle fibers of makeup brushes. You'll notice a lot of sewing machine cleaner brushes are basically f- face makeup brushes. Um, so I, I use that. I clean all that space out. Okay. Now when it comes to cleaning, you should also be doing an annual service for your machine. Right now I am one month over my annual service, which is not good. Holy moly. Um, I'm actually going out of town in August, so in like two weeks. So I am going to be dropping off my machine before we leave town so that that way um, I'm not without it because I am a very avid sewer. So being without my machine for a prolonged period of time is not really an option for me. However... Uh, this needs to get done, so I'm going to drop it off when I'm out of town. Uh, But all of that being said, you need to get it serviced annually. Okay, guys, so we're changing our needles. We're re-threading our machines. We're cleaning our machines, and maybe we're adjusting our tension. Now, one last thing. She mentions, Allison mentions nests of thread in my bobbin case and on the back of my projects and honestly this stuck out to me because another one of my students who actually was featured here on the podcast uh stephanie um she actually messaged me and i gave her a few troubleshootings and i have to kind of go a little bit deeper with her now uh because she's still having some issues with her machine but um she's having some some thread nests now there are totally normal thread nests that as sewers, we will think are the end of the world and they really, really aren't. So here's the deal. If your machine has thread snips, built-in thread snips, and I don't mean like you lift your wheel, your presser foot, you move your fabric to the side and you use the little cutter on the side of the machine, no. I mean, there's like a button that you press and inside the machine it cuts your thread for you and you just remove it. They will create nests at the beginning of every seam that you sew. Here's why. When that is used, what happens is the thread is down in the machine because your needle is down. Your bobbin thread and your needle thread are down there. The thread snips hook around, cut the thread, and then you remove your machine, your your piece. Now, there is uh, excess needle thread and bobbin thread inside the machine. It's not cut off and loose. 
it's still attached to the needle and the bobbin, but they're down inside the machine. It's like just like a little loop that's hanging down there. When you put the next piece in and you start sewing, that thread, those threads get pushed up as you start your stitches and your stitches sew them onto the back of your machines. So depending on the tail length that your machine uses, leaves, and for many machines, you can actually adjust how long of a tail gets cut off. Uh, depending on how long that loop is, that tail is, you will get a small, medium, or large nest at the beginning of every seam, which is why many sewers use leaders and enders, which are just you know, you could do it in two ways. I tend to use just like small pieces of scrap fabric that I then th- just put through the machine right before I start my sewing so that the nest gets put onto the leader and not onto my fabric, not onto my project. So you can do that. Other people actually have like two projects going. So they'll have like an easy no-brainer project where they're just putting together like four patches or something like that. And they'll sew one of those pieces because they don't really care because it's like a simple whatever kind of project. Put the nest on the back of that one and then sew the big project after, like chain piece style. You can do it either way, uh, but that's one way to get rid of your nest. The other way, which I don't like to do because it makes me feel like, well, why did I get the machine with the thread snip if I'm not going to use the thread snip, is to not use the thread snip. Either way, a nest is going to happen if you use your thread snip. Okay? So that's, you kind of can't get around that one. Um, I have heard that there are some machines out there that don't do it. However, I have yet to actually meet a person who owns one of those machines that actually says, yeah, it never happens. So it does kind of happen, and it's not a, it's not a huge deal, um, but you should keep that in mind also. Like, so if you're having those kind of thread nests, and you have snips, and the nests are happening at the beginning of each seam, it's more it's way normal, and it's it's kind of just the name of the game there. So there's that. Now, if you are getting nests. In your bobbin case, like you pop up the the cover or your needle plate and there's just a holy heck mess inside your bobbin case, a couple of things. 90% of the time, it's, again, a re-threading issue. So that means that you know, you put your bobbin in, you put it in the in the right direction so it's feeding properly. Usually your little, depending on the, what kind of case you have, but it will have a, a photo on there showing what direction the thread needs to feed. And then you have to guide it through all the little guides. It's almost like a mini version of the top of your machine. You got to hit all those guides. If you skip even one of them, it won't pull correctly. And sometimes you won't notice it. Sometimes all you'll notice is like a weird thunk sound that's happening as you're sewing. And other times you get a monster nest. So that's the first thing is to thread it. Second, the smarter your machine is, sometimes the less intelligent it is. Here's what I mean. 
for like a machine like mine where it has all these automatic tensions and whatnot, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking of Stephanie in this case because uh, she doesn't have the same machine as I do, but she has one um, that has many of the same features as mine. And with her machine, she ha- I want to say hers is either the 6600P or the 6700P, the Janome. Uh, but when you have a smart machine and it's adjusting its own tension and it's got a lot of sensors, if it's not super clean inside that bobbin case, sometimes that lint will register as thread and things will get a little wonky and haywire because it's not thread. And so it's, you know, it's too light or it's too heavy. The tension gets adjusted. Things get pulled. Things get knotted. And holy cow, it's a mess. So that's another thing reason why we want to keep our machines super clean because we just never know uh, whether, you know, the great thing about life is that we're never going to get replaced by robots because <laughs> we're smarter than robots and we're able to adjust accordingly um, and extrapolate. Um, so heaven help us if we ever end up at like Haley Joel Osment AI status. But uh, for these things, we need to make sure that we are maintaining them properly so that they're able to complete the functions that we actually want them to complete. Now, Last and not least, but not least, and something I really hate to say and something I really hate to share because I think that it can sometimes be discouraging to some quilters, but honestly, it's more of a compliment to you as the quilter than it is a diss on your machine. Some machines you're going to grow out of. Some projects are going to be too much for your machine. And that means that no matter what you're doing, it's not necessarily that you're doing it wrong. It's that your machine can't keep up. Now, do I think that's the case with Stephanie's Janome? No. Is that the case with my machine? I will almost guarantee never going to be the case. However, um, some of our big box machines, most machines that cost under $200. I mean, definitely most machines that cost under $200. There's, there's a finite limit to what their motor can take, what the, the, the speed of their needle can take and, uh, what they like. So there will be a point that if you are starting to really make some really awesome stuff, which I know every single one of you are making some really cool stuff right now, um, some things might just be too much for your machine. So keep that in mind. They're, they're, machines have limits. Everything has limits. So keep that in mind. Um, oh, also, back to the thread just before I forget because it just popped into my head. And I have never personally felt this, but maybe I did and didn't attribute it to this. But many quilters feel that some machines just quote-unquote like some brands of thread better than others. Meaning, you know, the tension gets set better when they use a certain brand of machine of thread. The snapping happens less in that given machine because they use a certain brand. Uh, and there's some people who are like diehards about it. I personally don't necessarily agree with that, 
But I also think that it's because at this point I'm using quality threads. And back when I was having all of these issues, I was using a cheaper machine and cheaper thread. And um, I kind of just attributed it to like, well, maybe I need to up my game a little. And when I did, I stopped having those issues. So you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. But I do know that there's many quilters out there who will be like, what brand of thread are you using? What brand is your machine? No, those don't work well together. Don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but that's just something to keep in mind as well. All right, guys. That was a lot, um, but I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, And guess what? You have just finished another episode of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and make sure you never miss an episode by hitting subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, guys, stop scrolling and start sewing.